Section 4 of Mother Earth, Volume 1, Number 4, June 1906. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mother Earth, Number 4, Section 4, Observations and Comments schopenhauer's advice to ignore fools and knaves and not to speak to them as the best method of keeping them at a distance does not seem drastic enough in these days of the modern newspaper reporter nuisance one may throw them out of the house nail all the doors and windows and stuff up all keyholes still he will come he will slide down through the chimney squeeze through the sewer pipes which by the way is the real field of activity of the journalistic profession we anarchists are usually poor businessmen with a few happy exceptions of course still we shall have to form an insurance company against the slugging system of the reporters alexander berkman barely had a chance to breathe free air when the newspaper scarecrows were let loose at his heels every suspicious-looking man woman and child in new york was assailed as to berkman's whereabouts without avail finally these worthy gentlemen hit upon two ten east thirteenth street there the reporters made some miraculous discoveries two lonely hermits utterly innocent of the ways of the world and the impertinence of reporters were marked by the latter they triumphed never before had they hit upon such simpletons of whom they could so easily learn all the secrets of the fraternity of the reds is it not the custom of your clan to delegate every three days one of your members to take the life of some ruler they asked <laughs> one of the reds smiled knowingly only one insignificant life in three days how little you know the anarchists i want you to understand sirs it is our want to use just five minutes for each act which means eight hundred sixty-four lives in three days this was more than the most hardened press detective could stand they fled in terror carl schurz politician and career hunter by profession died may fourteen he was met at the gate of hell by the secretary of that institution with the following question were you not one of the enthusiasts for the battle of freedom in your young days if the reports of my men are correct and i am confident my men are more reliable than the majority of the newspaper men on your planet you were even a revolutionist carl schurz nodded and why have you thrown your ideals and convictions overboard <laughs> there was no money in them carl replied sulkily the satanic secretary nodded to one of his stokers saying add five thousand tons of hard coal to our fires here we have a man that sold his soul for money he deserves to roast a thousand times more than the ordinary sinner. No one considers a thief the patron saint of honesty, nor is a liar expected to champion the truth. The hangman is not elected as president of a society for the preservation of human life. Why then, in the name of common sense, do people continue to see in the state the seat of justice and the patron saint of those whom it wrongs and outrages daily? if people would only look closer into the elements of the state they would soon behold this trinity the thief the liar and the hangman free love is condemned prostitution flourishes the moralist who is the best patron of the dens of prostitution loudly proclaims the sanctity and purity of monogamy the free expression of life's greatest force love must never be tolerated 
the other hand, it is perfectly respectable to receive a large sum of money from a millionaire father-in-law for marrying his daughter. Rudolf von Gering, one of the most distinguished theoricians of jurisprudence in Europe, wrote many years ago, The way in which one utilizes his wealth is the best criterion of his character and degree of culture. The purpose that prompts the investment of his money is the safest characterization of him. The accounts of expenditure speak louder of a man's true nature than his diary. How well these words apply to the richest of the rich and to their methods of disposing of their capital. Take philanthropy, for instance, with its loud and common display, how it humiliates those that receive, and how it overestimates the importance of those that give. Philanthropy that steals in large quantities and returns of its bounty in medicine drops that snatches the last bite from the mouth of the people and graciously gives them a few crumbs or a gnawed bone. Again, philanthropy as a money mania. In one instance, it feeds the clergy on fat salaries so that they might proclaim the virtue of self-denial, sobriety, and prudence. In another instance, it builds Sunday schools for young numbskulls and political aspirants who pretend to listen to the commonplace discourse about our Father in Heaven, who gives every true Christian an opportunity to make money. Rather would these milksops appreciate the advice of the young nabob as to how to turn a hundred-dollar bill into a thousand. Philanthropy, establishing scientific societies for the investigation of the mode of life of fleas, or philanthropy, excremating libraries, maintaining missionaries in China, or fostering the research of breeding seahorses. Mrs. Vanderbilt has the heels of her shoes set in diamonds, while another great philanthropist has established a pension for aged parents. Indeed, the stupidity and sad lack of imagination of our philanthropists are pitiful. However, when one realizes that they are responsible for the distress, the poverty, and despair of the great masses of humanity, Pity turns into anger and disgust with a society that will endure it all. The Chicago papers report a blood-curdling story, which has affected the Philistines like red affects a turkey. Knowing the keen sense of humor of our readers, we herewith reprint the story. Treason and blasphemy, as an outburst of anarchism, all but broke up a meeting held last night in the Masonic Temple under the auspices of the Spencer Whitman Center, at which the subject of crime in Chicago was discussed by various speakers. The Reverend John Roach Stratton, pastor of the Second Baptist Church, was in the midst of the discourse detailing his theories with reference to the subject in hand when a voice from the doorway shouted out a blasphemous expression. The cry was greeted by hisses, but it was only a moment later that that same voice called, Down with America! Up with Anarchy! There was a rush for the door. A tall young man was the first to reach the offender, who is said to have been Karl Havel, associate editor of a German newspaper. There was a blow, and the blasphemer reeled and fell against the wall. At the same moment, a man, said to be Terence Carlin, a member of a prominent Chicago family, struck Havel's assailant. He, in turn, was seized by Parker H. Circum, chairman of the meeting, and a man who gave the name of Ben Bansick. The party struggled back and forth in the doorway, and the disturbers were forced back to an anteroom. Blows were struck in a lusty fashion, and cries of, Police! They're murdering them! Help! rang out. 
Finally, the two disturbers made as if to get out, and the arrival of a watchman in uniform quieted them and their pursuers. It was, however, with ill grace that the disturbers of the meeting were allowed to leave, and as they passed through a door, cursing the law, the country, and God, a girl, still in her teens, broke through the crowd and, turning to Havel, said, "'That's all right, father.' ben van sig saved chicago there can be no dispute about that as to circum the editor of tomorrow he deserves recognition i suggest that he be awarded a toothbrush at the expense of city hall our three friends terence carlin havel mary ladder who as i can authentically prove is not the daughter of hippolyte havel can console themselves with the fact that their protest has done the names of Whitman and Spencer more honor than the gas of the Baptist preacher. That the suspiciously red noses of the newspaper men should have smelt the immoral conduct of Maxim Gorky was really very fortunate for the latter. He is now relieved from the impertinence of interviewers and prominent personages. He must feel as if he had recovered from some loathsome disease immorality has after all many desirable qualities what if chickens gaggle pharisaic goats piously turn up their eyes and the dear little piggies grunt well-meaning people are horrified that justice is making use of such creatures as orchard and mcparland against moyer haywood and pettibone there is nothing unusual in that the record of the american government in its persecution against socialists and anarchists is by no means so clean that one need be astonished that it employs spies and perjurers as its helpmates the lord has developed from a good christian into a good banker he destroyed more churches than vaults in san francisco End of section four.